It is the 200 level episode 315. Mike Carpenter in the basement for an after dark edition of the 200 level, not to steal the thunder from the guys over at Line Inquirer. And they have to cover press conference. And I figured, what the heck? I'm not going to go to sleep yet. So I might as well just podcast late at night. And I appreciate you on YouTube for joining me on this late ish Friday evening, though not late by my 21 year old standards, but by my 36 year old standards a little bit. What a game. Actually, what a final 10 minutes. Because the first 30 minutes of this game were very much in line with the Friday the 13th vibes. You know, they kind of permeated the place. I got to be honest, I did sit in the 200 level tonight, so it's not just a clever name for a podcast. And I thought, as the game was going on, I can't figure out what this is. I mean, there was a sequence, actually, where Michigan State just straight up threw the ball out of bounds, and this was after Illinois couldn't maintain the ball themselves. It got a little goofy there, and the veterans for Illinois were making some really erratic decisions, and it just didn't seem like there was any cohesion, and it really just came down to Michigan State was getting to the rim at will, and they were out-rebounding the heck out of you. And I, I texted Trevor and Isaac, and I said, man, at this point, the podcast tomorrow is going to be titled Charmin Soft. My frustration was less in a lack of execution or not making enough shots, because Illinois did shoot the ball pretty well tonight. It was that Illinois was getting out toughed. And I know that sounds very meatball-y, but they were for the first 30 minutes. And then they just flipped a switch. And I mean, that's as impressive of a 10-minute stretch I've seen in quite a while, especially when you consider the stakes. It's only the sixth game of the Big Ten season. They are only 3-3. Three and three. They're probably not going to contend for the Big Ten title. At least a lot of work would have to be done before we have that discussion again. But let's say they're two and four instead. You know, there's a completely different complexion around this thing. And now, hey, we might have something cooking. That's a three-game winning streak. As they said in Major League Two, uh, what is it? One one game, uh, then after two, it's two in a row, and then three, that's a win streak. This is a win streak for a team that had a losing streak in the Big Ten and was not feeling good. And you guys know as well as anybody, because you listen to the show, but you probably felt the same way. I didn't know what was going to fix this thing. They seem to enjoy playing with each other. We start with that. I mean, the intangible things that make a team successful include liking each other. And I think this team actually likes each other again. Even when they were down, and this was the key moment, right? The technical on the Illinois bench. And in the chat thread, if you were watching on TV and you saw who actually picked it up, they didn't say Underwood. They said an assistant coach. Regardless, Michigan State went up 50-41 to 41 at that point. What was the final? I need to actually pull up a box score here. Okay, I got it. I got it. I think. 75 to 66. So if I'm doing quick math, when it was 40, or okay, 50 to 41, that means Michigan State scored 16 points the rest of the way. You scored 34. 34 to 16 run to end the game. You doubled them up, more than doubled them up from the moment that technical happened. I'm not going to chalk it up to some sort of, we were pumped up after the technical, but I did notice to the point of this team liking each other, that they did that whole thing like last year where all five of them were standing next to each other with their arms around their shoulders, and you can take it that what you may, but I thought that's at least a look that we may not have gotten a few games ago. But I don't think it's silly to talk about this team in, in terms of intangibles and, and how that might be the difference right now because the talent was always there, but it just wasn't cohesive. And while it is erratic still at points, there is a greater cohesion Today, it just took 30 minutes to get there. But when it did, it was pretty good. 
All right, so let's get to the chat window. And I thank you guys for joining me on this late Friday evening. And uh, whatever you got to say, I will hit this up. Any of your thoughts. Um, I, I'm going to hit up all the individuals on this team because there were guys that were really frustrating me until they didn't. And not only did they make plays at the end, I'm talking specifically about Matthew Meyer and Coleman Hawkins, but they made monster plays. Monster winning plays in a high-level basketball game. Hey, MJ said, let's go, and we covered. Illinois did cover. They were six-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't know if that went up even further. Six-and-a-half was the last I saw. From Joseph, to go from the feeling after the Northwestern game to this, only three games later, this team is fun again. Yeah, uh, that is something I didn't expect, Joseph, and this actually goes into the next text from Austin, who says, situation is still embarrassing. I mean, I know what you're saying, Austin, but it was embarrassing. It is not embarrassing now. I think the reason that basketball can be fun like this is within a game, you can have crazy runs, and within a season, you can have crazy runs. I don't think any of us thought, if we're really being honest about it, after the Northwestern game, that this was a quick fix. With Wisconsin looming, Vegas seemed to know ahead of time, and I was a little more reluctant. But then the second half of Wisconsin, I thought, okay, well, maybe it really just is as easy as you do a few tweaks. But man, in the depths of it, it didn't feel good. So Austin, I don't rescind what I said. Um, And I I don't know if I'm even going to say I'm going to eat crow because I was calling what I saw. And I was not calling for Underwood's head. I I am an Underwood fan, but I thought it was his worst coaching, coaching job to date. But the thing is, the way it all happened, if this thing coheres, then all of a sudden we're talking it's his best coaching job to date. I think last year was his best coaching job, all things considered, because that team was good. They were very good. Conference champion good. That was exceptional stuff from Underwood last year, including the Michigan State game at home last year where you were without Kofi and Corbello. And you still won. And without that, you don't win the Big Ten title. But to do this within eight days, I mean, what was it, January 4th? Now it's January 13th. So really, in the last six days, you won three games, but it was only nine days ago that you had that Yes, embarrassing situation, Austin, at Northwestern. But embarrassing, no more. At least right now. And I I think this team may have turned the page on something. Travis said, even if we would have lost, this team is likable again. Well, yes, uh, the loss would have sucked. And it was really up through the eight, seven-minute mark where I wasn't sure. But once we took that five-point lead, I mean, the Matthew Meyer three, and you know which three I'm talking about, didn't touch the rim. It was like a laser going through that basket. The place just erupted at that moment, as it should. When we went up five, I felt pretty good. And part of that was Michigan State did not make a three. They did not make a three. And I thought, if you get up two possessions in this game, A.J. Hogard and uh, Walton, right? Walker, excuse me, Tyson Walker. They can drive it to the rim all they want. But eventually, they're going to need a three. And they didn't get one. Now, before I get, here's what I'm going to do. Chat window, keep filling it up. I'm going to hit you guys up in a bit, but before I do, I want to hit up the sponsors real quick. Then <clears throat> take a drink to uh, lubricate these vocal cords, which are struggling right now, but we'll pull through. This team pulled through, doggone it. I'm going to pull through by talking for a half hour. DPDO, online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com, one sec. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. 
Get a custom zone with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone online at dpdo.com. Also, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. We are only January 13th, sad to say, so there are more cold days ahead. You can get a late furnace check if you want, but also while you're at it, go ahead and get that a C check scheduled for the early spring, and then you'll be good to go when warm temperatures arrive again. God, I can't wait. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, 217-841-4728, 217-841-4728. Finally, Rector Construction online at RECTORConstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. These guys are the goods, expert customer service, uh, the craftsmanship second to none, and they also get back to their community. So as a townie, I do appreciate that. The guys at Rector Construction, you can get a free quote today at RECTORConstruction.com. Okay, YouTube folks, what do we got here? Joseph agrees with Travis, this idea that if we would have lost, even if we would have lost, they'd still be likable. I mean, it, it was a heck of an effort in those last 10 minutes. So if Michigan State, let's say, closed out the game like Iowa, <clears throat> and you were trading baskets with Walker and Hogard and... They just made plays okay. You know, I mean, it would have sucked, but I would have been able to accept that to a degree. You're right. Andrew says, let's go. Dane got revenge for the Sissoko hit on Io by cooking Sissoko for 20. Let's hit up the individuals as you guys bring them up here on the chat window. I, I mentioned Matthew Myers three earlier. I will mention Coleman Hawkins in a bit. You know, those are two guys that have gotten my goat every now and then. But man, Dane Danger. A monster. Now, he didn't have any rebounds early, and that was a bit of a concern, but 20 points for Dane Danger. Maybe he finished with five or six rebounds. Let me pull up the box score here. Looks like he actually finished with seven. There were a couple late rebounds that were big to really ice that game. So 20 points on eight of 12 from the field. He is remarkably efficient offensively. And not only that, four for five from the line. And it looks good. I mean, when he was shooting 40% from the line, I thought, I know these are kind of line drives, but the stroke itself doesn't look that bad. So Dane Danger, absolutely a star tonight. And uh, I, I'm Andrew, I, I'm not going to say he's better than Kofi because Kofi is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of guy. But Dane has hands and post moves that Kofi did not. Kofi was skilled, no doubt, but the size was such an advantage and he used it. Dane is, what, 6'9", 6'10". He's kind of heavy up top, but he's really fluid, sneaky fast. And there were some great moves. Now, there was one, and then this is a good transition to Coleman. We missed a shot with about a minute 30 to go. Dane gets the board, and you, everyone around us is like, okay, kick it back out. You can milk another 20 seconds and then get fouled, go the line. It was double bonus, whatever it may have been. No, Dane went for it. And he missed one of his four shots on the night. Oh, but no worries. Coleman Hawkins there with the putback, which to me exemplified the last 10, 15 minutes of Coleman. I was very frustrated with him in the first half. And then the first five minutes of the second half, there was a moment where maybe it was a bad bounce off the free throw. But I'm pretty certain he didn't block out on a free throw. Michigan State got the offensive board, one of many. Coleman was exceptional exceptional in the last 15 minutes. In fact, the two fouls he got called on him in those 15 or t last 10, 15 minutes were bogus because it was just the textbook definition of defense. He did everything late and that put back 
wow, that was the moment where it's like, oh, we got this, game over. You know, and it, it could not have come at a more clutch time. And he was doing all the little things that didn't, you know, cliche as it sounds, don't always show up on the stat sheet. Now, if you look at his stat sheet, it's still pretty good. Nine points, eight boards, only two turnovers. Still had a couple assists. Three personal fouls, though really only one legit in the first half. He was so good late. Matthew Meyer, 19 points. Three of six from three, including the prettiest three make that I've seen in a long time. Terrence Shannon had 15 points, I think, in the first 10 minutes. And then two the rest of the way, so he was quiet. I mean, this is something where it's good news, bad news. He disappeared, but you were able to overcome that. Jaden Epps has some good moves late. Seven points on three of 10 shooting, so not efficient. But he did have five assists and zero turnovers. Sincere, nothing on the stat sheet in 11 minutes. I mean, nothing except for one missed shot. Sounds like a bruised knee, so he's going to be okay. And whether they sent him out for one game at Minnesota, that would be totally understandable. Melendez struggled, at least kind of a non-factor. And then Ty Rogers, a non-factor at night. So you had five guys. And all of them contributed in that starting lineup. It just, just impressive stuff. All right, chat window. Let's hear from you. Uh, Jalen Gallows, and if I'm saying that incorrectly, give me the phonetic spelling, says MSU is really good. We beat a great team tonight. They will likely be top three in the Big Ten at the end of the year. I do agree with that. They are not a perfect team. Any team that can't make a three in a game is not a perfect team. And that might hurt them. Uh, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, it's, it's hard to imagine a situation where you don't need to hit seven or eight threes in an NCAA tournament game. But their guards are just shifty, and they have a way of getting to the rim. I... I will give them the 18, 16 to 18-footer all day. And they still made their fair share of those. But then you got all these other guys that just do the Tom Izzo thing. They are very difficult to play. If I recall, we do not have to play at Michigan State this year, so that is a break. I don't think you would get a win there. And they will, I think, finish top three, maybe top four in the Big Ten. So, yes, that was a big win against a good team. I think they are as good as the record indicates, if not a little bit better, when you consider how they've been playing recently. Trot616 says, Matthew Meyer is growing on me. Well, Trot, my stock in him was very low entering tonight. And he did have a few blocks early, but I, I, my skeptical or cynical view of Matthew prior to that, I was thinking, God, is he just late on defense and then he's able to overcompensate and get the block? I don't know. And then he picked up the two early fouls and I make some snide comment like, well, maybe it's addition by subtraction. And Well, no, at the end of the day, you need him. And... The 19 points, most of those were in the second half. I think he had seven in the first, so that's 12, right? And you were struggling. When it was the first 10 minutes of that second half, Michigan State's up as much as nine, but it was really a five-point cushion for most of it. Couldn't really bridge that gap, and he was what kind of lit the fire offensively. Fantastic. Uh, what can you say? That You need that. And... <laughs> Mark says those Meyer heaters are something to see. They are. When he gets going, he is so good. So good offensively. And I think it actually feeds into his defense. He does appear to be one of those guys where however he does on that end influences his play on the other. Joseph, with a point here about Coleman. Let me get a drink here, Joseph. It is a Friday evening and a nightcap to celebrate the win, a little whiskey diet. Um, 
went to Murphy's earlier tonight. So it was nice to visit the old stomping grounds. The one disappointment, they didn't have the old classic Murphy's fries. And for anyone that went to school when I would have or b- before that, they used to have those really good, like almost extra crispy fries or a little bit darker. You'd put the malt vinegar on them. Nah, they just got by the books sports bar fries. But you know what? It was still great. And uh, a nice pregame warm-up for what was an interesting crowd. Not the crowd's fault, but just the game was so weird. But man, when the crowd was into it, a beautiful thing. But Joseph says here about Coleman, I love this game from Coleman. Started horrible, but found a way to impact the game in other ways until that scoring surge. Yeah, I I can't get over that, Joseph. The, The guy I keep going back to, and you know I've been critical of him, the last 10 minutes of Coleman were just... Can you say you're proud of a guy you've never met? I mean, I'm proud of this team, really, to have overcome what they did. And yes, it was very much self-inflicted. It very much was. But to overcome it to this degree and all of a sudden now have, I don't want to say marquee win over Wisconsin because I don't think they're that good, but it still counts as a quality one. But this one you can notch up there with the Texas and the UCLA's. This is a win that will stay there. And yeah, it's not going to have the same impact as a road win against Michigan State, but all the same, it is going to help when it comes to Selection Sunday. And Coleman was really the catalyst for so many things. Defensively, my God, the effort in the last 10 minutes defensively, and, and just not just effort, execution. I, I was really in awe of a lot of what he was doing, and you see why NBA scouts do do you kind of think this guy has a role there? And he probably does. I don't know if it's next year. I, I would be surprised if it was, but I, I can understand. And, and when you see it all come together for him, Jesus, it, it's really good, Joseph. All right. This is from David. Worried about depth starting to thin out. Need Goody back. Well, I think Goody will be back sooner rather than later. Within the next couple of weeks seems to be kind of the word on that. So that helps. And I think with Harris not being... A serious injury, but you might be without a Monday against a Minnesota team that beat Ohio State. You know, it's funny. The institutional knowledge of our, I wouldn't even say rivalry, but matchups against Minnesota tell me that we will beat them. We just beat Minnesota. That's what Illinois does. That's what we always do. In fact, when was the last time we lost to Minnesota? Legit. And if anyone in the chat window remembers, I I don't know. All right, let's see here. That's good. It's good stuff. Okay, this is from Andrew, who mentions that Sincere Harris was going to check back in. Now, I, Brad Underwood, he he's great at press conferences. I'm not surprised uh, that he threw that nugget in there because that's just great fodder. And I'm not surprised that Sincere would have asked to go back in either. That seems to be right in line with his character. So he will, listen, when, when he wakes up tomorrow, what is that knee bruise going to feel like? I don't know. I mean, if you don't need him Monday, don't play him. But at the same time, your roster or your rotation is pretty short right now. So you might get him no matter what. Okay, uh, let's see here from Stephen Colbert. Admit I turned the game off at work because I couldn't handle it. I mean, I'm sitting there, Stephen, in the early part of the second half and even texted Trevor and Isaac, what the hell is this? What am I watching right now? And not angry, maybe frustrated at certain moments, but not angry because this is still a precarious moment in the season. When you're two and three in the Big Ten, you want to be validated 
that yes, in fact, uh, things have turned around and they figured something out. And it didn't look that way for about 30 minutes. So I'm sitting there, not dejected, but just kind of bemused at the whole thing and joking around with Kara who came and she was wearing her Michigan State stuff and, you know, clapping when they did something good. And there were some Michigan State fans sprinkled throughout and never had a problem with a Michigan State fan, you know. So, I mean, I married one for God's sake, but it seems to be one of the more respectable back and forth rivalries as far as Big Ten teams are concerned. But regardless, uh, yeah, I, I think that, unlike you, Stephen, because I was there, I, I was just going to sit it out and let it let it just kind of happen, even if Michigan State had really kind of put us away like, let's say, Penn State did a month ago, or Maryland back in 2020. And I did have shades of that, Stephen, where I thought for a second, oh, no, you know, it's a Friday night, late start, got a liquored up crowd, feeling good, and then thud. Keep in mind that Maryland game, you took an early lead, maybe nine or 10 points. DeMonte hit a couple threes, and the place was just ready to explode. But in this one, you were up six early, and it felt like, man, we're just better. But then, from basically the first media timeout until the 10-minute mark in the second half, you were bad. The interesting thing about that, though, is it never got worse than nine points, and that was after the technical foul, and I'm looking up at the stats on the video board and thinking, how in the hell is it this close? Well, what it was, Michigan State had a few more turnovers. You were actually making a few threes, and they were not, and it's really as simple as that. It shows. It's hard to go through a game and not make a three and win it, despite your best efforts, because the two best players on the court for the vast majority were Hogard and Walker that got to the rim at will, and it didn't matter. They lost by nine points. Illinois just put the clamps on them for the last 10 minutes. Just awesome. So, Stephen, I get it. If I had been at home, I, I still would have watched it. I don't think I was invested to the point where I was going to get angry, and because of that, the Northwestern game, I said, screw it, I'm going to bed, and that's what I did. I had a great night's sleep, and then woke up at 1.30 and see, oh, Jesus Christ, we lost by 13. So, for... This one in particular, I get what you're saying, but uh, glad I stuck it out. Was not going to leave for sure. I've seen plenty of situations in that stadium, like Seton Hall back in 2000, where you had to come all the way back. I held the Iowa game last year. Weren't you down by as many as 14 or 15 points before you came back to win the Big Ten? All right, let's see here. Andrew mentions back to Sincere that he was pulled after the timeout late in the game. He was pulled back, right? He was going to check and he was pulled back. Okay, so from... Apostle, is that right? Apostle 36. TSJ totally disappeared in the second half offensively, but Dane and Meyer picked him up. Uh, Meyer and Dane in pick and roll really got him going. That might be a new tool in the to toolbox, or if not new, more utilized. That did look pretty, and Dane is so freaking good in that. God, like, we have... He's technically a 20-year-old freshman, according to eligibility. So you have all this time left with him, unless he goes pro, but he is undersized for a center, and he's not shooting threes. So he is going to be a thorn in other teams' sides. He he could be a star. I mean, that was a star-making performance. We've seen these moments from him this year, including big moments early against the UCLA's of the world, where you think, whoa, I mean, where did this guy come from? Well, apparently Minnesota. I did not realize that that's where he went to high school before Baylor, but... Wow, just awesome stuff from him. And yeah, the, the two Baylor guys, that's 39 points tonight. That is more than half of your offensive output from those two guys. 
Hmm, let's see here. From Joseph, team only had five turnovers. What an improvement. That was impressive, Joseph. It's not as if Michigan State has a bad defense. They have a pretty good defense. And yet we were playing in control. This seems to always happen with Underwood's teams where they are such a freaking mess at points early in the season. And then there's this extended stretch of games where they don't turn the ball over that much. Maybe that's it. I mean, your freshman point guard, Jaden Epps, Five assists and no turnovers. That's a mind-blowing stat. David says, I was a little worried about TSJ's hot start. It was great and all, but everyone else was just standing around watching him. And yeah, David, that's when things started to kind of fall apart a little bit. Not to a degree where you couldn't come back. But it just got lifeless almost. And to the point where your offense and the stagnancy that you saw there seemed to impact you negatively defensively, but especially on the glass. All right. What do we got here? Joseph says, Myra's probably won his two games now. Texas and Michigan State. You could be right. So I should probably just shut up about that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm talking to Kara. Do you like this guy? Do you like that guy? And because she knows I've been, I've had my moments with this team where I was so freaking high on him as we all were after that weekend in Vegas and the Texas game. And then a weird month, a bad month in many respects. And then this. So... Yeah, Meyer has won you two games. There is no doubt about it. What was really special about tonight is that, cliche as it sounds, it was a team effort. I mean, all hands on deck. And the five that played the majority of the in there, wow. I mean, just awesome stuff. And I mentioned the word proud. Can you be proud of guys you've never met? I don't know. But I felt that way a little bit tonight. Okay, this is from... Steven, what do you think of Ty Rogers' absence in the second half? Well, bummer. I, I I was hoping there would have been a game and then another game to kind of build on, and we see this continue to grow. You know, Rogers having decided Illinois over Michigan State, thought this could have been a, a moment for him, for him. He did have a nice take to the basket, but didn't make it. I like the aggressiveness. At that point, we were getting pretty stagnant on offense, and he just took it, even if it wasn't the best sh- uh, shot, but... I'm not worried about it. You had to win this game. You really did. Ty doesn't strike me as some guy that's like, oh, I can't believe I didn't play. I mean, it'd be one thing if when he was out there, he was really stuffing the stat sheet or was an offensive, excuse me, offensive threat, but he's not right now. So Minnesota wouldn't be surprised if he gets back up there and he gets four or five points and he gets four or five rebounds and does his little you know, Swiss Army knife routine up there. I think Monday could be a bounce back game for him. He's having the freshman thing, not in a way that's that detrimental to you, but it's a good thing you got a guy like Jaden Epps, who has really just been as steady as you could ask for, given the fact that you lose your starting point guard. Jaden Epps, all the while, was just doing his thing game in, game out, whether he's off the bench or now, likely, I would think, starting on Monday, because sincere, can you really put him out there for that much? But wow, it's a luxury that you could lose a guy like Sky Clark. And still feel like, oh, well, we got enough. No big deal. Okay, let's see. Kevin says, Carper, you wearing the number one dad Illini shirt. No, I'm not, Kevin. This is actually before I went to the ReliQuest Bowl down in Tampa, I needed t-shirts. And I just wanted some plain orange and white t-shirts while we were down there. And I'm looking far and wide for the most basic, just a block eye. To me, it's very simple, right? It's just a block eye. It's, it's stark. It looks good. And... I got this from the Illini Union Bookstore Quad Shop. 
at the Illini Union. So it's not the number one dad because I'm only a dog dad. And I, I don't know if I'm the type that would get a number one dad t-shirt anyways. Maybe number one teacher. I don't know. And I don't think I'm that either. But I would not get a number one dad t-shirt. That is not what I'm wearing. It was cool to see a couple listeners of the game tonight. And I, I always appreciate, I think there were two that were like, hey, Carp, you know, or as we were leaving, you know, we win, I'm feeling good. And uh, a listener came up and said, hey, Carp, love listening to the pod. So it's great. Whenever I see you out there, if you see me, you, you know, I got the shark fin, say hi. And it's always great to meet listeners of the pod. And after a win, even better. NJ Alani says, Alani length and athleticism at all positions, with the exception of Epps, gives teams trouble. We did give up too many easy shots in the first half. Great adjustments. Dangerous D in the lane is damn good. It really is. It's the kind of defense, NJ, that can help you or help guys that happen to let their offensive player get right by him, which unfortunately was happening a little bit too much today. And I, that's an understatement if you look at the first half. But I think the dangerous D, his, his hands, not just offensively, but he has a real knack for getting his hands on the ball without fouling defensively. Has not had consistent foul trouble this year. And did he even have a foul tonight? I'm going to look right now. I mean, personal fouls for danger, none. I mean, here's another thing too. Can't complain about officials. 11 team fouls on Illinois. 18 for Michigan State. So five turnovers, 11 personal fouls. That's a clean game. That's an extremely clean game against a team that it's hard to play clean games. I wonder if this one doesn't look better and better the more that we reflect on it. Of course, we're feeling our oats right now. I certainly am. Excited, all of that. But looking now at the numbers and and trying to figure out, well, how did this team win? Well, now at the end of the game, looking at the numbers, it's clear how this team won. I cannot believe that a Big Ten team shot 0 for 7 from 3. Walker got his, but on 6 of 15. Hogard got his on 8 of 16. He was really good tonight, my Lord. But I look at this too. How many assists for their team? Four assists for Michigan State. It was the Walker and the Hogard show. Sissoko, he's a non-factor offensively, five points. Hauser had some good moves, no doubt. And Aikens? Six points. Cooper had some good minutes off the bench for him. But yeah, they out-rebounded you 42-30. to I will say, Illinois really tightened that gap. It was 33-16, to which means, doing math again, that you out-rebounded them 14-9 to from that point forward. This team just clamped the blank down. I wish I could curse in certain moments, but you know what I mean. At the end of that game. Damn, that's really, really impressive stuff the more I'm looking at this box score okay so I do get a pronunciation here from you uh Jalangalos okay cool Jalangalos it's a nonsense word you can just call me Jay if you want no you are Jalangalos Jalangalos I got it all right Joseph said last loss against Minnesota January 30th 2019 so basically Joseph since we've been good again we've not lost to Minnesota as I thought NJ says, five turnovers for a team without a two-point guard in the style. They play very impressive. wonder if teams will start pressing the Illini guards full court. They could do that, though. I don't know, NJ, if I'm as concerned because I feel like even with only one two-point guard between Epps, Shannon, Meyer, Hawkins, you can break a press pretty easy. So I say try it. Let the other team expend more energy on defending the whole court, and I think this team could break it. It was always scary last year. When you had to set Trent, DeMonte's bringing it up court, 
And other than Plummer, you're looking around like, who the hell's going to help this guy? So I don't know if it'd be quite as scary as that because that got really bad. And then Trent is playing 38 and a half minutes a game. And maybe he even had a couple 40-minute games last year. From Kevin, going into the game, I felt like Illinois is a more talented but less disciplined team. MSU has an experience advantage, but Illinois has better depth until the guards got hurt. And yeah, I would have thought the same thing, Kevin. Talent, but less disciplined. It turns out you were more disciplined than them. What Michigan State did really fantastic tonight, as they often do, is they're just tough. They rebound. They're scrappy as hell. And they still have talent, though this is, if you look at the grand scheme of things for an Izzo program, not one of the more talented teams. We know that. But still, relative to others, pretty good, right? The the discipline. I think that is the thing that as I wake up tomorrow, I'll think, well, the reason they won by nine points, Illinois, is that they were very disciplined through all of this. They just had a rough patch offensively and a really rough patch defending on the ball and rebounding. Now, those are big things, right? But is discipline so much the problem as it is just not executing? Effort was starting to worry me a little bit, but I, I do wonder if the undersized guards of Michigan State, you think, oh, well, that's great, they're undersized. They are quick, though. And it, it just seemed to bug us more than I thought. So I, I don't know if Minnesota has the same sort of thing. I know Indiana sure as hell doesn't. You got a real chance next week to win two games and set up a monster home game against Ohio State. And that's tough. It always is playing Ohio State. It's, you know, good luck because that seems to be, even when we beat those guys, just exhausting. Oh my God. I mean, hey, EJ's not there anymore and that does help because it always felt like he was going to get his, but that Sensabaugh kid is something else. I know Isaac Trotter is a big fan as I was listening to a really good pod today with Isaac and Trevor and Jeremy about that. Okay, let's see here. Joseph says, I'd like to see Ty find ways to play well in the games against the bomb of the Big Ten. I think that's going to be it, Joseph. If he has a monster game against a really high-level Big Ten team, I would be mildly surprised. I really just need him to play some good defense when he's out there. And tonight, he was neither here nor there. I didn't really have any issues with Ty, but he was a freshman. As you get the Minnesotas of the world, and I mean, I'm sorry, Indiana's of the world. Indiana sucks right now. And... I don't know if the Indiana game is not going to be a heck of a lot easier than the Minnesota game as they are right now and the fact it's at home. So next week, I think, could be a big week for Ty. I'm I'm on an every-other-game plan with him. He had an off night tonight or a quiet night. I, I could see him bouncing back Monday. But for him, bouncing back is really an eye test thing more than it is a box score thing. Okay, from Ben, still not sure what this team is trying to do schematically on offense. It feels like things favor Illinois when game plans slowly fade and games get sloppier late. Perhaps. And if you were to ask me, Ben, what is the offensive plan? I mean, they were implementing more motion, I know, at Nebraska. The ball certainly moved better at Nebraska, but I do think part of that is due to Michigan State is a lot better defensively than Nebraska. And I'd have to look at the Ken Palm thing to verify that, but I'm guessing it's true, right? I think that had that played a part. And I think, too, Michigan State adjusted. There's a reason that Terrence Shannon really went quiet. They were really favoring whatever side of the court he was on. And if not doubling, they weren't really doubling per se, but they always had a guy ready to go, and no one else in Illinois was hitting a shot. There was a moment where anyone not named Terrence Shannon or Dane was 2 for 12 from the field. And one of those was from RJ, and I think one was from Matthew. Ben also says, feels like the offensive sets were much cleaner in November. Hopefully they can find that again. Might really have something. 
one takeaway from the excellent Mike with Tulip and Jeremy Warner podcast. They do it every Monday, I think. Kind of like the Jay Lehman things during football season. Mike with Tulip said something that sounds so simple but makes a lot of sense. That when you have an Andre Corbello, which, I mean, it, it sucks that he was so out there, already twice suspended from St. John's. But what he was so good at is he could start the offense from literally the top of the key. Jaden Epps, freshman, solid point guard, but more of a combo. He's doing the best he can given the situation, doing a remarkable job given the situation, but you're really starting the offense from the 27-foot line, so to speak. And that just changes everything, right? So it just it's never going to look as fluid as maybe we would hope, but fortunately, some of the offense you have on this team, some of the individual talents, and some of the shooters, yeah, they're kind of microwaves, but man, you really only need one microwave a night. And then a couple other guys that hit a three here, a three there. And hopefully that's enough to overcome the, a point guard position that certainly is lacking depth and is not really dynamic. Jaden Epps is not going to be a dynamic point guard yet and maybe ever. But kudos to that kid, man. I mean, talk about being proud of someone, this freshman thrust into, oh, you're, you're basically the starting point guard as far as minutes played and doing really well, all things considered. Let's see. Kevin says, I'm also not a dad, but I accidentally ended up with a number one dad shirt because it was a free toss in with my purchase. and I liked the front, but didn't look at the back. Uh, oh, so maybe the back said number one dad, Kevin. Yeah, no, this is blank, but you know, it's always funny whether they have the throwing purchases at game days and that, those kinds of places or the t-shirt toss, which the funny thing about those is they send out the t-shirts and I'm pretty sure they're all extra larges. So if I were to get one, it'd basically be a poncho that would just be draped over me. So I'm never one of those like, yeah, t-shirt toss. I will say the game day experience at State Farm Center, god dang, like the speaker system, it's a rock show. Down by my parents' seats, they're behind one of the baskets at the 100 level, and the subs are so boomy that you damn near can't hear the music. It's almost too boomy, but the visceral thrill of feeling your body shake down there, that overcomes that. The actual speakers, all the way up in the 200 level, we were seventh row of the 200 levels. They were great seats, but it is so loud, and I love it. It tickles the eardrums. So kudos, Whitman, game day crew. They have turned this into an absolute dynamite, dynamite stadium, and they're trying it with football. They'll get there with that. But I, I was telling Kara as we were leaving, you know, she was like, man, the, the crowd isn't quite into it. And I told her, we're, we're reactive, and I think most crowds are. But I will admit that Illinois fans, we do have a chip on our shoulders. And when things aren't going good, we tend to think, oh, God dang it, not again. And we just kind of slouch in our, our seat and we cross our arms or, you know, any, any number of those things. But man, when we are loud, we are loud as hell. Loud as hell. And tonight, there were plenty of those moments in the last 10 minutes, especially. Joseph says, Illinois should definitely be beating this Indiana team at home as it's currently playing. And one more from Joseph. Watching the team interact with Brad after games, it makes me think how anyone could ever dislike Brad. Well, that was another self-inflicted wound, so to speak, Joseph. It didn't bother me at the time. In hindsight, I thought, oh, God, did this actually have a negative impact? The fart noise heard around the world, right? I am a big Brad fan. I, I think what got lost in my criticism of him during that three-game Big Ten losing streak and the Missouri game was that I wasn't calling for his job. 
I was just saying this was a really bad start to the year and a really bad coaching job when he considered all the noise that was coming in and around the program. Well, I'm not going to try to make this as simple as, oh, Sky Clark is gone, so everything's good. But you are 3-0 since Sky Clark left. You are. You are playing looser. No doubt about that. And Sky Clark may be a really good kid. And actually, I've heard that from many different sources. Not him being a bad kid. But for whatever reason, it was just disrupting whatever chemistry might have been there. I mean, that's speculative. But, man, uh, I think that, yes, Underwood is a likable guy when you're winning. When you aren't winning, like the Penn State game, I still liked him. The Missouri game, we got our asses kicked. That was embarrassing. So, yes, Austin, who had texted earlier, of course it was embarrassing. Lost by 20 points to Missouri. You were, what, and it was worse than that. Northwestern game was, I felt, rock bottom. But... Overall, I like more about Underwood than I dislike. And the bluster and all that, I think it plays to this fan base, for better or worse. I think the same thing with Bielema. You want guys that are a little bit pissed off. Now, I don't want guys that are abusive and the Underwood thing. You're seeing he's really scaling back as far as yelling at his players. It's been a few games. He's picking his spots, and I think that's like, as a teacher, I've never yelled, yelled at kids, but you figure out, what class periods can you kind of get on them and really say, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and which ones you got to kind of sit back on a little bit and not always be on their grill. So it seems like he's finding that balance with this particular team. And yes, I do like him. I I have, let me rephrase that, not always. I was concerned up through about the two-year and two-month mark after we lost to Missouri, go figure, in 2019 and losing to Michigan State at the start of 2020 by, I think, 15, 20 points at East Lansing. And then you just went off. Well, guess what? It's mid-January. Here they go again. And you weathered, it looks like, an early storm, and you're setting yourself up for a potential run here. So I do like Brad Underwood. From Kenton Elmore. Hello, Kentoner. Speaking of Alani swag, we're five and zero since the Underwood since Underwood, excuse me, started wearing a black wearing a blazer. But his shade of orange tonight was weak. Someone needs to get him a better color match, Lou Henson style. It was more of a salmon colored. Kent and I will agree, and it did not pop like even John Gross's orange blazer, which I will give John Gross this. It was a fantastic blazer. And actually, yes, as Joseph mentions, I think Brad started wearing blazers again post-Missouri. Wasn't the Missouri game, if I recall, he was still wearing the pullover. So that was the one, and they meant business, and they beat Bethune-Cookman, and then they lost to Northwestern. But since the Blazers, you are 4-1, and one, I believe, right? Yeah, 4-1. and one. Okay, from Postle36, Sturdy Tweedy from Brad's Presser. Terrence told Underwood to leave him out in the second half because these guys are rolling and Matt is cooking. Brad says it was then about us. Wow. Hmm. Why does that kind of take me back a little bit? I got to think on that. I, that actually, and I have no reason to believe that's not true. That is about us. I know that sounds so cliche. And if I sound dopey, forgive me for being for riding this high late on a Friday night. But that's cool. I mean, Apostle continues that I was mad that Terrence Shannon wasn't back after the under eight because RJ versus Hogard was not working. And that is for sure. But 
just the fact that he would say that, I don't view that as a, a weak thing at all. Acknowledging this guy's red hot. I'm not feeling it since that early barrage in the first half. Leave him in, coach, because he's cooking. And Meyer was cooking there. So that is a positive sign. Terrence Shannon is not going to be the yell in his player's face alpha dog. It's going to be leading by example, for lack of a better cliche, when he's scoring and he's facilitating a little bit, though he's much more of a scorer. Yeah, his leadership is much more, here's what I do on the court. To see that sort of thing, or hear that from Underwood, that, that is encouraging. And there does seem to be a completely different vibe about this team. I mentioned earlier in this podcast how they had their arms around each other when Michigan State is shooting the technical free throws. And you go down nine. And I think, ah, oh, Jesus, this is just another bummer. Here's the thing. Trevor and Isaac and I were talking today, and I felt good about the game going in, though certainly didn't feel good the first 30 minutes. But... Trevor, I think, looked up, or Isaac, and I'm sorry, guys, if I mixed up who, but I think Trevor, that the last 10 games on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday night at State Farm Center, maybe just against Big Ten teams. So I know that's specific, but basically weekend night games. Illinois was four and six. Now, two of those wins were against Iowa. One of them, I think, was against Ohio State. I forget, though. Gosh darn it. And then there was Michigan last year on a Friday night, but it was it kind of lost its luster when Hunter Dickinson didn't play, and it was not the prettiest effort by Illinois, but they got the win, right? But there have been, as good as things have gotten for Illinois, we are still conjuring up that invincibility cloak that we had at the Assembly Hall back in the day. And there have been some big crowds followed by disappointing efforts, and or disappointing outcomes at least, so whether it be last year with the Ohio State game where you were down by as many as 20 and the comeback didn't quite make it, or the Maryland game back in 2020, followed by the Michigan State game where Io looked like he had been got hurt at the very end of the game and was probably done for the season. That was a Monday night. But all that said, there had been some disappointments when you get, I think it was a sellout crowd. If not, it was right there. And then you don't get the big win despite a, a ramped up crowd, right? So this is, to me, all part of the process of building back that invincibility cloak I mentioned where each and every win that they get like this makes the fan base believe that, yes, I'm going to buy that ticket. I'm going to be in that stadium in a crazy environment because I want to see us likely win. I think the reason in the first 20 minutes and the first 30 minutes overall, there was that reluctance because we have seen in the last few years disappointments in this almost exact same situation. Did not happen. And not only did it not happen, but you came back with such fury in the last 10 minutes that, damn, man, I am back on board. And I think any Illini fan watching tonight had to be pumped with how they did it. All right, we'll wrap up here in a second. couple more. Ben says, heading into tonight, BPI said Illinois would finish 11-9 in the Big Ten. Ken Palm now supposedly 12-8. Do you think this team can catch Purdue? Not sure there's enough above teams that can hand them L's. Ben, I am unencumbered by the Big Ten title thing because we got one last year. I thought this team would win one this year based on a weak Big Ten and certainly not presuming Purdue would be any good. I don't think that's in the cards. You'd have to go on a crazy blitz. And there are still enough games as we get into February that are going to be tough. But I do think you can finish top four. I think you can work your way back up to like a six seed, five seed in the NCAA tournament. 
because those early wins are still in your back pocket and there are quality wins left to be gotten. So I'm optimistic overall and not even thinking about a Big Ten title. And in a way, even at the lowest of the low this year, it oddly enough was not as frustrating, let's say, losing at Maryland last year when it felt like each and every loss was one step closer to blowing your last chance for a Big Ten title. Now, that's a bit dramatic, but it felt like, are we really going to go through the Kofi era and not get one Big Ten title? Well, you did, right? Listen, I'd rather be in our situation than Michigan, than Indiana, than Wisconsin. All these teams that we were looking up at for a while, and now the script has flipped in that regard. The teams to really look out for, I think, Ben other than Purdue that's right there at the top and probably will be for the rest of it, even though I don't think they're like Final Four good. I, I don't buy it. I don't. You take Edie out of the lineup and they're just positively mediocre. Thing is, he's been staying out of foul trouble, so good for him. But Iowa is always tricky. They're really tricky, and I think you only play at Iowa this year, which is a bummer. And if I'm wrong on that, if anyone can correct me, but I think it's just at Iowa. And then... I mean, you just played one of the tougher ones tonight. I mean, Michigan State is one of the tougher teams in the Big Ten. I don't think it gets much tougher than that, in this Big Ten at least. Hmm. Am I forgetting anybody? I mean, Minnesota, no. Even though I'm not saying that's going to be easy on Monday, but I, I do expect to win. Ohio State, though they're, they've fallen a little bit on hard times by their standards. Rutgers, yeah. Do you play Rutgers twice? They're tough. But I do think this team can finish top four in the Big Ten. And you know what, Ben? That would be awesome. All things considered, the turmoil, some of it's self-inflicted, no doubt. But to overcome that turmoil and finish top four in the Big Ten, get a good seed in the tournament, and fingers crossed, make a second weekend, that's a successful year. What it does is it sustains the success you had before. It gets another notch in your belt that, oh, well, maybe we don't have this albatross on us in March. That, to me, is really the impetus of this year. We got the Big Ten tournament title two years ago. Big Ten title last year. Get a Sweet 16 this year. And that is just a healthy program. And I think it's right there. This is a team that I wouldn't want to face if I were some other team in March. The inconsistency or the erratic nature of them almost makes them more difficult to prepare for. Because, you know, Ben, you might have asked too, or somebody did earlier, about what is the offensive scheme? And I don't I don't know. I'm not great with that kind of stuff anyways. So Mike Latulip will break that down a little bit more on Monday, I think, on his pod with Jeremy. But whatever it is, they do seem to be adaptable. I will say that. They seem to be very adaptable and able to play different styles of basketball. And that's not the case with a lot of teams. So reasons to be optimistic for sure. All right. Well, I think that's all I got tonight. So I can... Get a little bit of shut-eye. Won't need to use this voice again until Monday, so we will do a post-game or a second-half pod against Minnesota, and that will be kind of a weird time. Martin Luther King Day, 5 o'clock tips, the 6 o'clock second-half pod. I want to appreciate, or I do appreciate, excuse me, you guys for tuning in. One sec here. Ah, cheers to you guys. I had two sips of this all, all show long. So for Kevin, Joseph, Ben, Postle, Whipple, Kent Toner, oh gosh, Am I missing anybody else that commented? New Jersey, Jalangelos. Yeah, I think I got your name right there. David, Steven. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. And for anyone else that might have just been watching and not not necessarily chatting. But yeah, I, I wasn't going to go to sleep. So why the hell not come down to a post game? And then that way people can wake up tomorrow and then just immediately relive the game. Because that was a 
big one. I really think that was a big one and will feel even bigger as time goes on. But as with any big win, follow it up with a win that you should get and it feels that much sweeter. I think they will on Monday and we'll be here for the second half. All right, everybody, DP Doe. I'm on dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com, custom zones with any topping you want or some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie and the Buffer Zone. That is dpdoe.com. Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com. Expert craftsmanship, great customer service, and you can get a free quote on any home exterior project today at rectorconstruction.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. That is Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Your home's best friend. And State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, who will be doing a second half pod with me coming up. And he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your evening. Have a great Saturday and a great long weekend if you celebrate Martin Luther King Day on Monday. And that is when we'll be back Monday evening around 6 o'clock for the second half of Illinois, Minnesota. Sleep well, or even if you don't get much sleep, at least you'll be happy thinking about your now 3-3 three and three in the Big Ten fighting Illini that look like a pretty damn good basketball team. It is the 200 level. 